Before I start, I would like to just make a comment. My studies today, or this week, I ran across a statement that love, joy, and peace are the primary colors of the Christian life, and that all our other virtues are a blend of them. Well, let's start with the scripture. It's from Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But of all, above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. We'll come back to this verse in just a few minutes. When Linda and I lived in Nigeria, we had to get used to some cultural things. And one of those was there was no just passing and saying hi. If you met someone as you were walking to one place to another, there was a whole bunch of greetings that you had to go through. You know, they would ask you, how's your family? Ya, ya, wargidana. Or, how's the weather? Ya, ya, rua. Or, how's the work going? Ya, ya, aiki. And then you would give a standard response to each of those, and then you would give them the question, and they would give you the standard response. And if you got through in less than two minutes, you were really doing well. And one of the greetings, almost all the greetings, always started with, Salam Aleikum. And then you would reply, Aleikum Salamu. And roughly translated, it's been decades since I've been in Nigeria. So my Hausa, which is what I was trying to speak there, was really rusty, and I'm sure no Hausa speaker would have understood me. Roughly translated is, how is God's peace? And peace is a major theme in the Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, the word is salam, shalom, and occurs about 250 times. The majority of those times it occurs, it's referencing not a greeting or not peace like after a battle, but referencing the idea of wholeness, completeness, fullness. In the New Testament, the word translated peace is irene. In classical Greek, that literally or usually meant peace of a city-state. So if you were a good governor, you brought Irene to your state. You brought prosperity. You brought good governance. Uh, the root of that word is a word that means bring together or assemble, put together. In the New Testament, though, Irene gets more of the idea of shalom. It's found over 90 times in the New Testament. And it's not just negative, meaning no conflict. Uh, the meaning of peace is more than feeling calm and serene. Peace in the New Testament is active. Seeking peace means seeking reconciliation, seeking well-being of you and others, seeking wholeness, like in the Old Testament, shalom. Maybe the con connotation today would be having it all together. Peace is reconciliation with God and with others. God makes peace actively with us, for by the death and resurrection of Jesus. As Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself, so that's Jesus, to God, all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is God's example of reconciliation. He went out of his way to reconcile us to him by sending Jesus as a sacrifice for us. 
Jesus not only provides us an example of love, Jesus also then provides us an example of how to be reconciled, how to have peace with each other. And just as we're supposed to follow Christ's example in self-sacrificial love, we're supposed to follow Christ's example, God's example set for us by reconciliation. Peace is also a confidence that God will see us through and overcome the problems of the world. This comes really from Jesus' Last Supper. In the Gospel of John, they've met in the upper room. They finished their meal. Judas has left. The disciples are under the impression that Jesus forgot something and Judas is going to retrieve it. And Jesus knows that Judas is going out to betray him. He also knows that the disciples' expectation is that Jesus is going to establish the kingdom of God right here on earth throughout the Romans and set up the new kingdom of God here on earth right now. That's what they were really expecting. And Jesus, despite having told them over and over again, I'm going to Jerusalem to die, knows that that expectation they have is going to be crushed. And there in the upper room, he says to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let your hearts be afraid. So at that critical moment in the disciples' life with Jesus, peace is the important thing that Jesus wants them to have. He goes on later in his discourse in the upper room in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And several more times after the resurrection, he tells the disciples, greets them with the word peace. The peace that Jesus gives is not the absence of trouble, but rather it's the confidence that he is always with us and that in the troubles of the world, he will not, we will not be overcome by them. Like in Romans 8.37, where Paul says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Peace is active. I say it's active because of the beatitude from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the sons of God. Sons of God meaning that when we go out of our way to make peace, we also are acting like God. We're setting, following that example he set for us. In uh, 1 Peter 3.10-11, through 11, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from de deceitful speech. He must turn from evil, do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. The picture of Greek Irene reflects on our modern expression of having it all together. In Quaker thought, uh, I would think this is the idea of being centered. Everything is in its place. Everything is as it ought to be. We see the world as God is able to see the world. From the world of psychology, I would say the idea of peace out of the New Testament comes closest to the idea of mindfulness knowing who we are, where we stand, and being able to act out of that centeredness, that idea of who we are and how we are in relationship with God and the others in the world. 
that we are able to respond rather than react. How do we obtain peace? We've already talked a little bit about the first part of Philippians chapter 4. Near the middle of the chapter, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is a hard one. We are really all born to be anxious. Trust me on this. Am I going to get fed as a baby? Causes you to cry. Am I going to get changed as a baby? Causes you to cry. When you get to junior high, you start worrying about who are my friends and will they like me and am I wearing the right clothes? When you get older, do I have enough money? Am I doing my job right? Will my boss fire me? Uh, Do I have enough to pay the rent? Uh, we, We live with anxiety. We live an anxious life. And here Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Anything that concerns you, take to God in prayer. And then in the presence of God, Rest, have peace. A lot of the world is antithetical to God's peace. I mean, all the commercials on TV, do you have the right shampoo? Are you driving the right car? To uh, politics, the other side is trying to destroy the country. I, I hear it from both sides. Republicans say Democrats are destroying democracy. Democrats are saying Republicans are destroying democracy. They're trying to make us worried, trying to make us afraid. And if we live centered in the peace of God, if we trust that God has things in control, that anxiety, if we seek to build peace in our lives, that anxiety will diminish. When we know that God is in control, that we cannot be separated from his love, we realize that this can help us act out of peace and not out of anxiety they would seek reconciliation and understanding rather than react out of fear and striking out. Another way peace is obtained rather than just through prayer is through knowledge. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace be yours in abundance through the knowledge. I'm sorry, I misread that. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our Jesus, our Lord. This kind of relates to prayer, but it goes a little bit farther. This knowledge here in 1 Peter is more than just reading Scripture and understanding Scripture. It's also the knowledge of God we gain by sharing with each other, by knowing each other's lives in the Spirit, by knowing how God has served you and how you have found peace in God and how God has found peace, brought peace to your life. By sharing that with us, we all gain a knowledge of how God works in the world. Another way of obtaining peace is by reconciling ourselves with others, with believers and others. In Romans 12, 17, and 18, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in all. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That last part, if possible, live peaceably with others so far as it depends on you. If you do your work, and I do my work, despite our differences, we should still be able to have peace. 
It's looking for good and not the bad in others. We have a way of looking at what's wrong and what we don't like about others instead of looking for what is good and what is honoring others. So, as far as it depends on us, look at others for the good. The light would be the uh, Quaker term to use. Look for God's light in others rather than looking for ways that they are split from you or away from you. Seems to reflect kind of Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. There, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go first and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. That we have the responsibility to seek peace with those we might be in conflict with. God's peace should change the way we look at others. Just as God took steps to restore peace with us, we have to take the initiative to restore peace with others. Romans 14, 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. In the early church, there was a conflict between whether early Christians had to follow the Jewish laws for what they could eat and couldn't eat, and when they could and couldn't eat. So this is what Paul was addressing there in Romans. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Notice how joy and peace are tied together here, just as they are in Galatians 3.22. I just find that interesting. Some future sermon, I'm sure, is going to come out of that. These are probably the hardest verses in the Bible for the church to abide by. I say that simply because if you know anything about church history, we divide quickly and easily into our own little sects and, and groups, find fault with the other group, and say only our group has a hold of the truth. Same thing has just recently happened in Northwest Yearly Meeting, and it saddens me, where a group of churches have split from the rest of the body of Northwest Yearly Meeting. So the question is, when we disagree with one another, can we still seek wholeness, and can we still lift each other up? As I've been reflecting on these verses this week, I had to ask myself about meetings that I have moved on from that I have separated from, that I could not find peace and reconciliation with. And I have found myself lacking sometimes. I have found myself not having the courage to confront the leadership of one church, thinking that because I'd become part of the problem, I shouldn't strive anymore. Uh, Other churches I've left because of doctrinal issues, statements that I could not support. And so I find these verses challenging to me. How will I find the peace of God and share that peace of God with other Christians and other people? Another place where I find this, uh, seeing this, I I can't say it's really mine, but uh, my uh, mother's family of origin was very unpeaceful. Uh, I have no idea what the arguments were, but my aunt who raised my mother quit talking to my mother's sister because of something that happened at my wedding. And that was, goodness, 40-some-odd years ago. 
Uh, Auntie has since died, but they never reconciled. And then my mother said something to her sister uh, a few years later, and I have no idea what it was. But until my mother's death several years ago, they still had not reconciled. They had not stepped outside of what had irritated them so much that their love for each other could overcome that and it could be reconciled in peace. Well, this brings us back to the first verse that we read. But of above all things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. There's a chorus from Nigeria that is my favorite ever. Uh, if I ever really get down, this is the one that I want to hear, and this is the, the tune that I'll try to get myself the earworm for. for. Uh, it's from What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And part of that goes... Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. As we enter a time of worship, I have just a few questions for you. Have you found peace with God? When has prayer helped you with your anxiousness? Can you share that with us? When in the conflict have you worked to make peace? And finally, share with us any experiences of God's peace in a trying situation.